The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. 8474. During the spring semester of every year, the faculty chooses several graduating seniors of the MDiv class to bring morning devotions. So this morning we have our first of several graduating seniors who will be coming and bringing morning devotions. This is Jeremy Allen. So Jeremy, come and bring, bring us the good news. Well, good morning. We are going to be looking at uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn with me. Uh, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's a, it's a joy to be with you. It's a, a weird privilege, I guess, to bring the Word uh, with you today uh, as my peers, but it's good to be here. So, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 9. This is God's Word. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this day. We praise you for your truth, which is what we need for life and godliness. This morning, may you speak to us by your word. Might you open our hearts to reflect upon your mercy and grace in a new way this morning. Help us to understand your truth, I pray. And I ask all this in the name of our mighty Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. According to an article on MindTools.com, time management is the process of organizing and planning how to divide your time between specific activities. Good time management enables you to work smarter and not harder, so that you might get more done in less time, even when time is tight and the pressures are high. Failing to manage your time damages your effectiveness and causes more stress. Putting this definition into practice, the highest achievers manage their time exceptionally well, and the lowest achievers manage their time poorly. The focus is on effectiveness, and the goal is success and self-promotion. If this definition holds up, then quality time management inevitably works out into less stress. But have you ever met someone who is very good at managing time but is still extremely stressed out? The problem with this way of thinking, however, is that good time management can't account for the emergencies in life. Good time management can't make room for the 3 a.m. sick child who needs to be cared for. Good time management 
does not account for that, that broken down vehicle that needs to be fixed and you don't have the money to pay somebody or the time to fix it yourself. Good time management can account for your grandfather's death during finals week or your friend's sudden illness that means a stay in the hospital. Conversely, if you do manage your time well according to this kind of thinking, is there, is there really time to celebrate? Do you have time to laugh during the day? Good time management, according to this view, means that every minute counts, every moment of the day needs to be used, and time must be used wisely. This paradigm of time ends up putting constraints on what is important and ultimately does a disservice to the people that are around us. Can you really get more done in less time? Can you really manage your time well enough to make room to make space for all that life throws at you? The wisdom of Ecclesiastes speaks to us today on the concept of time and reorients us towards life in a world that is filled with many struggles and good things, both coming from God. There is much that could be said from this passage, and you could certainly spend a lot of time trying to understand all the nuances of the text. The hope this morning is to help you to help us understand more clearly what it means to be a Christian in a world that is marked by time. Ecclesiastes helps us to come to terms with the life of toil that we have and to take comfort in a God who cares for His people. The principle of time is set forth in the first verse. Kohelet, the teacher, the preacher, his concept of time reminds us that God is our Creator. As one scholar puts it, every event indeed has its right time, a set of circumstances in which they should happen or be performed, and God determines when this is. Contrary to some interpretations, Kohelet's reflections do not imagine life apart from God. This is not worldly wisdom with no consideration for God. Kohelet is trying to provide wisdom for people that live in a world separate is not trying to provide wisdom for people that live in a world separate from God's common grace. Yet he is realistic about the curse of sin that affects the world. He is presenting a pilgrim theology to a post-exilic people that seeks to live rightly in this world. Understanding God as Creator is the first step. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. This means for us today that according to God's time, every event, every event indeed has a right time, which God determines. Our struggle in this life is that we do not understand the time as much as we'd like. Then Kohelet, he shows us what he means by everything having a season and time by illustrating for us in verses 2 through 8. There are 28 things that the poem lists, making 14 pairs. Some interpreters see these as opposites of one another. Others argue for a more cyclical view, suggesting some sort of circle of life. The most helpful way is to think about the things as either negative, destructive, or unpleasant events, and positive, constructive, and pleasant events. There's also some ambiguity as to whether some of these things might be negative or positive. For example, death is a negative, but planting is a positive Killing is a negative as well as weeping, but dancing is a positive. Embracing is positive. Losing and casting away is negative. But is silence negative? Maybe it's better to be quiet. Is speaking positive? 
Maybe what you have to say is not going to be very helpful. We know that war is negative and peace is a positive. Yet all these things are part of this world that God is caring for. Some interpretations want to see all these as complementary, but that's not altogether clear from the text. However, the positive-negative pairing teaches that everything in life, even unfortunate and destructive deeds and events, have their right times. As verse 11 tells us, God has made everything beautiful in its time by way of saying that everything has an appropriate place in God's world. Understanding that God has made everything with an appropriate time means that Christians, we know, that both the good things and the bad things that come to us are still in God's care. The tendency, however, in reading these verses and reading these things is to, to see some sort of strong determinism on God's part, as if He is some kind of puppeteer. How Kohelet, however, Kohelet does believe in divine control, but he does not hold to some sort of strict fatalism. One of my favorite theologians, Calvin, from Calvin and Hobbes, you might, you might remember that at one point Calvin tells Hobbes that he decided to be a fatalist. He says, All events are preordained and unalterable. Whatever will be, will be. That way, if anything bad happens, it's not my fault. It's fate. In the next picture, you see that Hobbes trips Calvin's, trips Calvin, and, and, he, and he says these words, Too bad you were fated to do that. Calvin disagrees and yells back at him, That was not fate. Fatalism fa- fails to see that God is both creator of the world and also sustainer of the world. Fatalism fails to recognize that God is providentially caring for His creatures. The Christian who turns to fatalism tries to find an excuse for the sin committed in this life by removing any sort of responsibility. The Christian fatalist, I think we all know someone like this, counts everything as chance and easily slaps a Bible verse in the face of difficult times. Or quickly writes off a brother or sister who has stumbled into sin or simply sees himself or herself as the victim of all of life. Most significant for life and ministry, the Christian fatalist becomes indifferent when people are faced with suffering because they cannot empathize with those who are suffering. Now, rather than reading fatalism into the meaning of these verses, it is better to underscore that there are right and appropriate times in this life for all these things. The right time to be born is when the baby has come full term. The right time to die is like when an apple is about to fall from the tree. But how do you react when someone dies before their time? A high school boy falls dead on the football field from a rare heart condition. A child is hit by a car on a neighborhood street. We all know that parents should not have to bury their children Matters of life and death are in God's control, yet the tension that Kohelet presents to us is not relieved by this realization. And as if to prove the point, Kohelet asks the question, what gain has the worker from his toil? What profit does the worker have from his toil? The testimony of Ecclesiastes is quite clear that whatever whatever profit a worker has may not stay his and might even be left for someone who did not toil for it. 
Recognizing that God is creator and the one who sets the time allows one also to see that God is sustainer who gives life and sustains life. Yet as creatures, we know that it is not our business to know exactly when the right time is for all these things. When God spoke to Job, he asked, Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the does? Can you remember the months that they fulfill? And do you know the right time to give birth? When they, ca- when they crouch and they bring forth their offspring and are delivered of their young. Like Job, we know that the answer to these qu- questions is a resounding no. Only God knows the times in which these things should happen. Like God's questions to Job, Kohelet's question to us reminds us of our place in the world. We are God's creatures dependent upon His care for us. The concept of times and seasons in Ecclesiastes is such that as God's creatures, we are still left with uncertainty. We cannot control as much as we'd like. Despite our best efforts to be excellent time managers, how we spend our time is often not determined by us. Yet even when we're told that right now is the time to mourn because of a sudden death in the family, we sometimes attempt to do otherwise. A robust view of God's time in our lives means that we are willing to recognize that both the negative and the positive things are gifts from God. Without giving ourselves over to a world of pessimism or trying to live in a world that is filled only by optimism. In my house these days, it's not uncommon to be woken up multiple times in the night by one one of my girls needing a, a back rubbed, a water cup filled, or a back scratched. The baby in our house, many of you guys know, has figured out a way to make the days turn into nights and the nights turn into days with no sleep happening at all. Though it is only a season, it has felt too long and caused many of us in our family to question our sanity at times. And I came to Ecclesiastes looking for answers to the questions of life. But what I found was a realistic view of life. Kohelet says, yes, life is full of toil. Seasons of difficulty filled with things breaking down might be followed by more seasons of difficulty. There's no Band-Aid Bible verse to tell the mother who is at her wit's end of parenting. There is no Band-Aid Bible verse to tell the person who has lost their spouse or friend or child. Yet anyone who has, has ever struggled is drawn to Ecclesiastes looking for answers and in many ways ought to be able to relate to the toil at which he toils, yet it profits nothing. Rather, the wisdom of Kohelet is such that one must come to terms with the life that we've been given, recognizing God as both our creator and our sustainer. Yet, one would be a fool to miss the concept of time that we see in the New Testament. At best, Ecclesiastes is alluded to in the New Testament and it's never directly quoted. There are, however, thematic elements picked up by the New Testament writers, one of which is the concept of time. The Gospel writers underscore the right time of Christ's coming. When Jesus began to preach, both Matthew and Mark note that for that time... And from that time, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Perhaps this point is best seen in John's Gospel, where the concept of time for Jesus is at the forefront. 
John shows us how clued in Jesus is to his time and his hour. Jesus tells many people during his ministry that his hour has not yet come. Yet in John 12, 23, we fully, he fully embraces that his hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he prays later in John 17, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Like the Gospels, the Apostle Paul is aware of the time. He writes in Galatians, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive as do- his receive adoption as sons. The point of this is to show that the best efforts of Ecclesiastes reminding us that God is creator and sustainer of life with all its joys and sorrows must also be read in the light of the New Testament revelation that God in Christ is also our Redeemer. The toil and meaninglessness of life are answered not by our efforts to manage the time, but is answered at the right time by the Son of God, who has all of time in His hands. Understanding the Gospel of Jesus is certainly what gave Paul these words to the Corinthians. Recalling the words of Isaiah, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacles in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. The Christian life is the pilgrim life in which we know that better time management is not the answer to our problems. Rather, we know that the time in which we live is marked by the coming of the Savior who accomplished our salvation and gave us a message of hope for a world that is running out of time. The seasons and times of life in the poem of Ecclesiastes 3, 1-9 present to us a real picture of life in a world that is marred by sin. We ought to expect times of weeping and mourning and death. And despite our best efforts to discern discern the time, our trust is ultimately in the God who is our creator and sustainer and who in the right time sent His Son to be our Redeemer. Might we today come to terms with the toil that God has given to us, knowing that there is comfort for us in the Gospel, which gives us abundant life. Pray with me. O Father, this day I ask that you would give us your wisdom to understand your truth, that we might live in a way that glorifies you. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California, 2019. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.